In this week's episode, eBay admits that it has been overstating gross merchandise volume for years. It implements a fix, and it is still overstating gross merchandise volume. If you are listening to the podcast, uh, you just missed a super cute video. <laughs> uh, wishing everyone a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and so on from Josie the Cat and myself. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, if you are new to the channel, welcome. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster. And you have stumbled on the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Uh, I said last week actually, that I was not going to do a show this week. And I'm I'm not going to do a live because I assume people will have other things to be doing. But there was some interesting news that broke over the last week. So I decided to go ahead and put one together for us anyway. We'll have a quick what sold recap at the end, going over a few odds and ends that I've sold here at the Galaxy recently. But let's get started off with... News Updates. The reselling news. We're going to start with what I led with in the intro, eBay. Uh, this article appeared on e-commerce bytes and among other places, but uh, sellers have long questioned how eBay determines gross merchandise volume, otherwise known as GMV, when reporting quarterly earnings to the U U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. On Wednesday, eBay made its pack past practices clearer and vowed to change its reporting methodology. In a press release on its investor relations website titled eBay announces change to gross merchandise volume definition and releases updated historical metrics. That doesn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> uh, eBay revealed figures that give a sense of how much it had overcounted sales each quarter. In the fourth quarter of 2020, for example, the article points out it added up to a $3.5 billion difference. Quote, previously eBay reported GMV regardless of whether the buyer and seller actually consummated the transaction, they wrote. WTF, what in the world? <laughs> uh, how do you report as a as sale something that actually never took place? So these are instances, of course, where uh, a buyer, potential buyer made an offer that was accepted and then didn't pay, or bought an item and didn't pay, or won an auction and didn't pay. That transaction never took place. No money ever changed hands. And yet, eBay was reporting that as gross merchandise volume. That just blows my mind. <laughs> I don't know of an accountant anywhere who would report something like that as actual income. That is just crazy to me. Going forward, they say they are going to fix that and now report only paid transactions. However, that number will continue to overstate sales compared to how its sellers report them. eBay will continue to include shipping and taxes in its GMV figure. Uh, the accounting coach who was consulted for this article said, quote, sales taxes collected by a retailer are not, not part of its sales revenues. And that is absolutely true. Now, I'm not... 
as I've said on this channel numerous times, I am not an accountant, uh, but I know a little bit about accounting. I've, I've owned my own business for quite some time. I took multiple accounting courses in college. Sales tax collected is an asset of cash and a liability of sales tax payable. It is not income. You don't pay income tax on it. You would not claim it on your income tax. It, that is a bizarre accounting practice to me. So uh, eBay said it was making the change and it was enabled by the increased visibility derived from the company's transition to managing payments. Yet, oddly, they were able to go back and restate previous year's GMV for past quarters using this new methodology, during which they would not have had access, of course, to manage payments. So this whole thing just smells rotten <laughs> to me. And I guess realistically as a reseller on a day-to-day -day basis, if you're keeping your own books and are breaking out things like shipping and sales tax like you should be, this doesn't have any real bearing on you, but it does have a bearing, I guess, to some extent on what you might perceive as the forthrightness and honesty of eBay. And it certainly has an effect on potentially their ability to raise money and on their stock price. This is, you know, they have overinflated their sales and continue to do so for what would appear to be virtually forever, which is really just crazy to me. I don't understand why they have been, why they've been doing it that way. Why no one from the SEC or any other accounting firm has stepped in and said, Hey, you can't, this is not right. You can't be doing that. Um, and for their part, eBay did not explain why it will continue to include sales tax and shipping in its sales metric going forward. So I didn't, again, this doesn't have any effect on your day-to-day -day business as a reseller, but it's just a remarkable piece of information to me. I don't understand why eBay would do that. So you can let me know down in the comments below what you think of eBay's gross merchandise volume reporting practices. If you are listening to the podcast, you can, there is a link down below where you could leave me a voice message, which I may play in a future episode, or you can always email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. Uh, moving on, eSeller365 reports that eBay and Facebook are experiencing a surge in counterfeit stamps. Over the holiday period, they say, there is an estimated 1.3 billion cards that pass through the USPS system, which has made counterfeit stamps a huge problem, not just for the post office, but for the likes of eBay and Facebook. Uh, Andrea Avery, an assistant inspector with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, says, I've been seeing a lot of fake stamps on sites like Facebook. A substantial discount means the stamps are likely counterfeit. The first, the current price of a first-class forever stamp is 58 cents. However, some Facebook ads have been advertising a Black Friday Facebook discount, which was offering 100 stamps for just $39.90, which would be a markdown of 31% on the true cost of a stamp. Uh, the ad for the phony Black Friday stamp deal was linked to a page that has been removed, said Facebook UUS Stamps has been taken off Facebook along with others, including UUS Malls Online and UUS Forever. Uh, anything that spells something like that, I just stay away from. <laughs> like the plague, man. Uh, if it's a website name or a business name that doesn't even appear to be uh, actual words, I'm out. I have no interest. I don't care how cheap your stuff is, but apparently a lot of people were buying these stamps from these these pages. 
Uh, they go on to say these pages have been removed from our platform after repeatedly violating our policies against deceptive and misleading practices meant to scam people out of money. eBay also has a tough job on its hands as it seems no matter how many times they remove listings or seller accounts, more will just appear in their place. Ken Martin, a director for the American Philatelic Society, who is their stamp collectors and that sort of thing, went on record and stated that eBay almost always has counterfeit stamps for sale. eBay responded by saying, we monitor listings to prevent counterfeit stamps from being offered and forever stamps may be sold only by sellers who follow our policies and have a history of high customer satisfaction. All items purchased on eBay, including stamps, are covered by a money-back guarantee. Counterfeits are not allowed on eBay, including the sale of counterfeit stamps. We use artificial intelligence, image recognition, and other technology to stop sophisticated bad actors from circumventing our rules. That all being said, uh, counterfeits apparently continue to proliferate over on eBay. So, again, should be common sense, but if it's a website you've never heard of or a spelling that looks funky, uh, it's probably not legit. Or if the price is just too good to be true, 31% discount on stamps is uh, it would be nice, but it's probably not right. Moving on over to Mercari. Some sellers are reporting that they're saying funds are being held, but it looks more to me like some kind of a glitch in the ACH transfer system. Sellers say Mercari is holding their funds from Monday, December 13th, and are unable to get satisfactory responses from Mercari. Uh, one Seller wrote, please check out any Mercari group on Facebook regarding deposits from 12, 13, 21. That's what leads me to believe that this is a glitch. It is only for that one day. I, for my part, I took a deposit, took a withdrawal from my Mercari earnings. I requested it on Tuesday and I got it no problem by Friday. So I didn't have any issues the day after this glitch apparently took place. So many complaints from sellers, including myself, never getting paid. Mercari is telling everyone that they sent the money and it's a problem with our banks. And sure enough, they say sellers are reporting the issue on Twitter and Facebook. Mercari did reply to a seller today saying, hmm, if you requested a direct deposit on the 13th, you should receive them by the end of the day today as it can take up to five business days for your bank to process the funds. I will say the the payout process on Mercari is terrible. It is so slow. Um, with eBay, I get a email on Tuesday morning saying that my payout has been processed and sent. And on Wednesday morning, the money's in my bank account. If I request a payout from Mercari, it is almost always a minimum of four days, four business days before I have the money. So they need to sort that out. And they certainly need to sort this glitch out, especially at the holidays. You, you have sellers that could have a substantial amount of money that they were requesting to withdraw on Monday that they did not get. There are a whole list of posts quoted here from the Facebook thread. Where are all the deposits from Monday, Mercari? None of the deposit transfers have made it to any of our bank accounts, and you have said nothing. I've been waiting for my payouts to clear, and I cannot contact anyone from your company. This is a total breach of our contract agreement. People always get (laughs) uh, so over the top with this stuff. I mean, it's nothing is perfect. There are going to be glitches. Things happen. Things come up like my 25 missing packages at USPS. It's I'm not threatening to sue the post office. You know what I mean? It just don't, don't get so crazy. Just try to work with them. I 
to Mercari's detriment, they have not done a great job of responding to these messages. Their customer service team appears to be MIA. If you were caught up in this, let me know down in the comments below. Did you request a payout last Monday on the 13th and have you received it? Was it on time? Was it late? Have you not gotten it at all? It obviously is a problem, but people don't have to run off the end of the earth with these things. Speaking of my 25 missing packages, all but one of them has since been found. So thank you to all of you who reached out to me and left messages of sympathy. (laughs) Uh, In regard to that, I did put a post up on my Instagram kind of regarding just my customer service aspect of that because I had reached out proactively to all of the people who had made a purchase that was caught up in that issue. I've only had one person that left me negative feedback. I'm trying to get that removed so far without success. Uh, The buyer He bought four things from me. He's since left positive feedback on the other three, but the one negative, I can't get him to change and I can't get eBay to intervene. So that's, that's not great, obviously, but, um, most of the packages are either in transit or have arrived, but the feedback I've gotten from the customers who have received their packages has been absolutely glowing because of taking that extra step of communicating what's going on. I let them know, hey, your package is tied up somewhere at USPS. I've opened a case. I'm trying to find it. I've involved my postmaster. I will keep you posted. I messaged people all throughout the two weeks, three weeks that the items were missing, and they have all left glowing feedback. So Mercari, if you're listening, you could take a page uh, from my book and be a lot more responsive to your customers who are your sellers when something like this happens. Uh, They go on to say, there's another one I haven't gotten mine from the 13th either. Support isn't helping. Another one I've been selling on Mercari since 2017. My bank account information has never changed. I'm ID verified. I sell quite frequently. And all of a sudden now Mercari is telling me my direct deposit was processed Monday, but my bank says there's nothing incoming. So who's lying? Where's my money? One week before Christmas, the article points out there were no responses from Mercari to seller's reports on the mentioned Facebook thread. So Mercari, again, if you're listening, um, like I just pointed out, a little communication goes a long, long way. You've got dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of sellers who requested money from that day that just want to know what's going on. If it's a technical glitch on your end or with the ACH, whatever it is, it's, it's really incumbent on Mercari to fix it. Because it's not, it isn't me as an individual seller that has a problem just with my account. There are hundreds of them. So the problem clearly lies somewhere on Mercari's end. So hopefully they get this resolved. Hopefully you didn't get caught up in it, but not pretty. Speaking of Mercari, they are going to launch a first ever experiential pop-up shop. This is becoming quite the trend with the kind of the bigger companies in this. ThreadUp has done a few and so on. Mercari, the online marketplace that connects millions of people across the U.S. to shop and sell items no longer being used today, announced the launch of its first ever experiential pop-up shop, a unique in-person selling experience designed to educate consumers on the ease of selling secondhand goods and its impact on the reuse ecosystem. The shop will be located in the Stonestown Galleria in San Francisco and will open December 29th of this year. Central to Mercari's mission is the idea of reimagining reuse. They operate, they say, around the ethos that unused items still have value, and it's a win-win for everyone if these items 
can find new life with someone else. The San Francisco pop-up shop will feature four experiential zones to help customers do just that, say goodbye to their unused items so they can find a second life. Mercari users can sell almost anything from everyday household items to one-of-a-kind vintage treasures for a limited time. Customers are encouraged to bring their pre-loved items to Mercari's pop-up shop and receive up to $100 on the spot by Venmo or PayPal. Customers can skip the online listing and shipping process and engage directly with on-site experts who will assess the value of each item. A $30 per item maximum will apply and customers must be at least 18 years of age or accompanied by an adult. So if you're in the San Francisco area and interested in checking that out, it starts on the 29th and will be good through February 12th of next year. So a little bit over a month. The Detroit News has, as many newspapers and online news outlets have had over the last several months, an article about resale making gains in December holiday gift shopping. Quote, secondhand, like new, thrift, buy nothing, gently use. There are lots of ways to describe consumption consumption in the booming resale market. And now you can add Merry Christmas to the list. Resale has taken off among those looking to save the planet and spend less on gifts during what can be the most wasteful time of the year, the December holidays. This year's supply chain delays have provided extra motivation. We've talked about that over the last several episodes. Industry reports have said that the recent gains are driven mainly by Gen Z and millennial shoppers. Luxury resale marketplace The Real Real, which has more than 23 million members after going public more than two years ago, said it saw a 60% jump last year over the year before among those choosing gift boxes with purchases during the holiday season. Last month, the online site, which does have 16 brick-and-mortar consignment stores around the U.S., saw orders with gift boxes rise by 73% over the same month last year for unbranded jewelry. Such purchases were up 62% for Gucci items and 53% for Louis Vuitton selections, according to company data. The stigma is gone, said Marshall Cohen, a consumer behavior and retail analyst for the NPD Group. There is a new view of how valuable some of the resale product is. Uh, additionally, sales of gift cards for the online thrift giant ThreadUp, which went public earlier this year, were up 103% for the first two weeks of December compared to the entire month of November, which you would expect that more people would be buying gift cards kind of later in the shopping season. So this is a pretty lengthy article. I will, as always, link to it in the show notes and the video description below. But if you want to check out kind of what's going on in uh, big retail resale this is a really interesting article and it just continues to prove the point that the resale industry is growing etsy uh has a new issue at least it appears to be new it's not specifically etsy related and i imagine it could apply anywhere but it looks like there may be something about Etsy that is attracting this. Two Etsy sellers said they were threatened by cyber criminals who then carried through with their threats after the sellers did not respond. A third seller said they had received a threatening message as well. The original poster on an Etsy discussion board wrote, I've been targeted by some scammer slash hacker slash fraudster. They first started off sending a message asking for a little money or else they will attack my store with reduced traffic or shop suspension basically telling me to pay up before it's too late. 
They also wanted me wanted to make a point that it's no use reporting their account by messaging me through multiple accounts. The seller then received 12 orders from four different buyer accounts worth over $1,000. In that case, it appears Etsy detected the fraud because the seller it proactively canceled the orders and refunded them. The other targeted seller said, however, that they did not respond to the threatening message. The scammer purchased four of their digital download listings and immediately left one-star reviews. After reporting the incident to Etsy, the company canceled the transaction but refused to remove the reviews. Etsy has, and again, as I say when I talk about Etsy, I don't sell there, so I don't have direct experience for any of this. Etsy has a real problem with their seller support system and the review process. They absolutely will not review review or remove seemingly any review reviews that are left fraudulently or that are attached to fraud or that are incorrect or misapplied, they just will not do it. And it has a tremendous effect on your seller rating over there, which they say does not affect the visibility of your store, but I, I'm not so sure. (laughs) Uh, They point out if you become a target of extortion or other cyber crime, you can file a report with the FBI on the IC3.gov website. They also want to remind you that the FBI does not send mass emails to private citizens about cyber scams. So if you receive an email that claims to be from the FBI director or other top official, it is most likely a scam. So be aware of that. Again, if you're on Etsy, have you experienced anything anything like this? Uh, really, really bizarre. Speaking of how they evaluate their sellers, their STAR program has finally gotten some stats and an FAQ section. The Etsy Star Seller Program is getting new features, the Marketplace announced last week. First, it is providing sellers a way to review the stats that Etsy uses to measure their performance, specifically their responsiveness to messages and on-time shipping. Sellers can now download a zip file that contains two CSV files, one for their messages and one for orders they've shipped. They say from there, you'll be able to see whether you responded to messages within 24 hours and which orders met the criteria for on-time shipping. They also expanded their FAQ for the Star Seller program and created a video on how the badge works. Etsy did not elaborate on what exactly it added to the FAQ, which can be found on the landing page over on Etsy. The page still says that the Star Seller status does not directly impact the ordering of search results, though Etsy does display the badge, of course, for qualifying sellers. However, as has been previously reported in numerous places, including on this podcast, Etsy CEO Josh Silverman has said he was considering using the program to influence sellers' placement in search results. So, again, if you're an Etsy seller, have you looked at this report? Have you downloaded it? Is it accurate? And what are your opinions of the Star Seller Program overall? Poshmark. Um, They're an interesting situation right now. So they are contemplating expansion of their online retail marketplace into Europe. According to Bloomberg, unidentified sources didn't provide information on which specific countries they're targeting, but CEO Manish Chandra has indicated that the U.S.-based company was examining English-speaking countries for a potential expansion. Posh currently has 7.3 million active buyers and 80 million registered customers across the U.S., Canada, Australia, and India. Poshmark Stark, however, has more than halved in value 
since expanding to Australia in February. So their stock is really in the tank. If you bought the peak, man, you are sweating <laughs> uh, bullets. Hope and Poshmark figures this out. The company began selling in India earlier this year, but their international sales have been well below analyst expectations in the company's Q3 earnings call. Chandra said that the COVID-19 pandemic was having a major effect on the company's international performance. So I don't know as individual sellers how Poshmark is doing. Again, it's a platform that I do not sell on because I, as I've mentioned here repeatedly, I don't like selling clothes. (laughs) Uh, But their stock is really, really in the tank. It is, like they said, down 50% since they expanded to Australia. The India expansion is not going particularly well. Now they're looking to grow at least potentially into English-speaking countries in Europe. So interesting. Last bit of news this week is one of the kind of off-the-wall things. Eric Clapton has won a legal case against a woman selling a bootleg CD on eBay. She had listed a recording of an 80s concert for £8.45 and he sued. (laughs) Crazy. Eric Clapton has won a legal case against a German woman who attempted to sell a bootleg CD of his on eBay. As reported by DW, the defendant claimed she was unaware that she was committing copyright infringement by listing the album, an unauthorized recording of a Clapton concert from the 80s, on the site for €9.95, or £8.45. Clapton sent Dusseldorf Regional Court an affidavit stating that the recordings on the disc were illegal, which led to the court's initial decision in favor of the singer-songwriter. The woman, however, of course, appealed. The 55-year-old said that her late husband had told her he had purchased the CD in 1987 at a well-known department store. Her appeal was rejected with the judge ruling that it was irrelevant that she did not buy the album by herself. The court has asked the woman to pay legal fees of both parties, which is around uh, €3,400. If she continues to offer that CD for sale, she faces a fine of €250,000 or six months in prison over a $10, 10-pound, 10 10-euro, 10 whatever, bootleg CD. I don't mess around with bootleg CDs. Imports are fine, uh, but anything that appears to be bootleg, I don't list online. I'm not trying to get into a... I would not expect that Eric Clapton <laughs> would have done this, let alone would be trying to sue me. But nonetheless, I don't mess around with bootlegs. When I had my CD store back in the day, I may have sold a few back then, uh, but I never put those online. You're just asking for trouble. Uh, meanwhile, the article points out that Clapton has faced some backlash over the course of the COVID pandemic due to his anti vaccine views and criticism of lockdown measures. Back in August, he shared an apparent anti-vax protest song called This Has Gotta Stop. So uh, speaking of that, this morning I went and got my booster. Uh, I'd gone kind of round and round about whether or not I was even going to do it. I decided the other day that uh, the looks of this Omicron thing are not good. I've got my parents are older. If you're listening, hi, mom and dad. And I just felt like it was probably the right decision. So I'm just recently back from that. Uh, You can let me know what you think of that or any of the news we covered today. Um, Especially that eBay thing, man, that just is really, I don't know why that bothers me so much that they're essentially lying on their financial statements. I guess it's because as an individual seller, there's so much pressure 
on us with like the new 1099K information and all the things that we have to do to correctly report our income to the government for tax purposes. And here you've got a multi-billion dollar corporation who has been doing it incorrectly consistently for years, announces that they're making a change and the change is still inaccurate. That just, I'm sorry to beat a dead horse. That just blows my mind. So speaking of sales, uh, let's let's get into this uh, what sold on eBay segment. I don't think I've got a whole bunch of stuff here, but there's a few things and it'll hopefully it'll be interesting. You can let me know what you think of any of this, but uh, let's get started with this. The first item from 1963, Transistor Circuit Design from Texas Instruments Incorporated. This was a hardcover with its dust jacket. It was part of a uh, estate sale buyout that I own for... Uh, Rebel Junk, if you're listening, about 10 cents. <laughs> uh, I sold this for $19.99 plus customer paid media mail shipping. This thing was actually in really good shape for a almost 50-year-old, 60-year-old book. So old, again, I've talked about this previously, old textbooks and stuff like this can be worth a decent amount of money. Obviously, you're not buying a Lamborghini with a $20 sale, but they do add up over time. Another old book, this one from 1954, a hardcover called Let's Drive Right. This was a Maxwell Halsey driver's education book from the 50s. Really interesting piece. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's not necessarily in the greatest condition. The cover's got quite a bit of wear and damage, but it's got some really cool old cars on it. Some great old photographs and information throughout the book. So this thing was also part of an estate sale. I think I own this one for about a quarter. This went for $29 or sorry, $21.99 with free shipping. A CD, this was part of the big lot that I owned for about three and a half cents a piece from, gosh, a year and a half ago. This was new and sealed, the Flamin' Groovies, California Born and Bred uh, from 1995 on Norton Records. I had heard of these guys. I've never listened to any of their music, uh, but this thing went for $23.99 with free shipping. Speaking of music, if you are a music fan, uh, I will put a link again in the show notes and the video description below, but I have started a new podcast called Ryan's Random Record Hour. It's been going for about two months now, and if you're into music and would like to hear some of the stuff that I have been listening to over the years, um, I'd appreciate if you'd go check that out. It is a Spotify exclusive because I use songs that are on the Spotify platform and in their catalog, so you can only hear it over there, Uh, but it's it's a I think it's a fun show and there's a lot of really cool music there um, going from current music all the way back to stuff in the 80s and 90s. So go check that out if you're so inclined, please. And thank you. (laughs) Uh, Here's an interesting item. I've had this for a long, long time. I expected to sell it months ago at the start of the college football season, especially with Georgia being ranked so highly. This is a Georgia Bulldogs dogs zephyr original snapback ncaa adjustable cap it was new with tags i bought it for a dollar at a garage sale i had it listed for 24.99 with free shipping and literally months went by i bought this thing in the spring expecting that as we got into midsummer and the start of college football season somebody would snap this thing up 
and nobody bought it until, oddly, after Georgia lost to Alabama <laughs> uh, in the SEC championship game. So I don't I don't know. It was a really cool hat. Um, it's hard to tell from the picture if you're watching on YouTube, but the, the bulldog and all the lettering is actually raised. It's like a 3D hat. It's a really cool hat. Uh, but it took the longest time to sell. But still, fairly profitable sale. Cost about five bucks to ship first class, so not too shabby. An old VHS tape. Uh, Dick Whalen's Racing Classics, The Sacramento Mile. This was from 1988. It included a catalog. It's a vintage video about a racetrack out in Sacramento, California. I picked up Man, four or five, maybe six of these VHS videos for about a dollar a piece at an estate sale, gosh, probably two years ago, and have sold them here and there. They've not been super fast sellers, but for a dollar, not too bad. It went for $24.99 with free media mail shipping. It was under a pound, so $3.19 to ship the thing to wherever it was going. I think it actually went to California. An interesting old uh, library edition book, Classic Art, The Great Masters of the Italian Renaissance. This was a hardcover with its dust jacket from 1952. If you are watching on YouTube, again, you can see that it has like a, a plastic cover over it, which is quite worn and damaged. So is the dust jacket, but this was a fairly unusual book. There weren't a ton of these out there. This was part of a free estate haul, so my cost of goods sold on this is nothing. It sold for $27.99 plus shipping. Um, old art books are not necessarily big sellers. I've got boxes of them that I've had to put in lots trying to sell for $8, $9, $10. So they're not necessarily great money. This one was not too bad. Old library books, uh, I always denote that in the listing somewhere that it was a library book. Those seem to command a little more value. And again, even in this condition, an almost $30 sale. Another book, not in the greatest of condition, from 1950, a first printing hardcover from Anybody Can Do Anything by Betty McDonald. She had several books that seemed to be in pretty great demand and in pretty low supply. So be on the lookout for her stuff. I've sold several items of hers. This is probably one of the better ones financially. $29.99 plus media mail shipping for a book that is in just acceptable condition. The cover, particularly the spine, had significant wear on it. The pages were pretty well tanned, especially around the edges. And yet, uh, this book went for $30 plus shipping on a cost of goods sold of a quarter. Two more books. I mentioned, I've mentioned several times the estate sale that I was at where the, the guy had apparently done like electronics and physics and chemistry. He had all kinds of old textbooks. These are from 1967. Physics Part 1 and Part 2 from Halliday and Resnick. They were published by John Wiley and Sons. I saw tons of listings individually for either Volume 1 or volume two, but nobody that I saw at the time I listed these had both volumes. Most people were trying to sell these for about 10 bucks a piece there or thereabouts individually. I sold mine at a bit of a premium. I listed it for $30, $29.99 on eBay uh, with free shipping. This sold on Mercari for $30 with free shipping. So sometimes if you have a full set of something, 
it varies. Sometimes it pays to break them up and try to sell them individually. Sometimes it makes more sense to try to sell them as a set in this particular case because nobody else had a full set of these two books. That's how I listed it. And I ended up making a pretty nice score. My cost of goods sold on these is about 25 cents a piece. So 50 cents into $30. Next item here. These were really interesting. I picked these up at a garage sale back in probably June for 50 cents a piece. Kanji for Fun, Japanese Flashcards Volume 1 and Volume 2. They were kind of a language learning tool in their boxes. They were complete. They had all the cards in them. I think I paid, like I said, I don't know, maybe 50 cents for these. So a dollar total. They sold for to one buyer for $33.98 with free shipping. These were sold through the Global Shipping Program. So again, as I've talked about repeatedly, that's a great option. You send this thing to eBay, and once it arrives there safely, you are essentially off the hook unless you have misrepresented the item in some way. If it is lost or damaged in transit, eBay actually ends up eating that, not you. A couple of DVDs. These sold on Mercari for $40. I own them for, man, probably $0.17 cents a piece. This was part of a big estate haul that I did. The Rifleman, Volume 7 and 8 from 2001 featuring Chuck Connors. I actually had uh, eight total volumes of this. I broke them up into lots of two. I have since sold Volumes 1 and 2 as well, also for $40. So these are these are pretty nice sales. Be on the lookout for the original, The Rifleman, starring Chuck Connors. I've talked about these before. Uh, bound magazines, just generally, and these Reader's Digest magazines. I had one buyer that made offers of $20 each on both volumes from 1953 of the Reader's Digest magazine, Bound from January to June, and from July to December of 1953, volumes 62 and 63. I had these listed for $24.99 or best offer with free shipping, and the one buyer made two $20 offers, so 40 bucks. My cost of goods sold on these was probably about $0.75 cents a piece. Ah, speaking of the rifleman, here's, here's the other two. <laughs> uh, volume 1 and 2 also sold for $40. I did, however... Not quite make as much money on this. These were just ordered on Monday. And the buyer sent me a message saying, I hope these arrive by Christmas. They're a special gift. So these are items that I would typically ship by media mail. And there's no way on God's green earth they were going to get there in time by media mail. By weight, they were about seven and a half ounces. So they could have gone first class. But the cutoff for first class was Friday. To arrive by Christmas. So initially I sent the buyer a message and I said, hey, if you would like to pay the difference between my free shipping and priority mail, I'd be happy to ship these priority mail. And then I decided to, for what some people might say, the first time in my life to just be a nice guy. And I went ahead and sent them out in a, a flat rate priority padded mailer. I sent the buyer a message and said, hey, you know what? It's Christmas. I'm just going to go ahead and send these priority mail at my expense. You should have them in plenty of time for Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. So, And I got a really nice message back. I assume I will get very good feedback on that. It cost me an extra, I don't know, five bucks to do that. But again, I own these for next to nothing, really. So it was worth doing. Sometimes, as I've talked about 
numerous times, going that extra step in customer service can make all of the difference. So that is going to wrap up the what sold segment of this. Since we're not doing this live, obviously there are no comments or anything. So I will close once again, just by saying thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast, who comes to the YouTube lives, typically on Wednesday mornings, who has watched any episode, who has commented, liked, shared. I appreciate all of that very much. A special shout out to those of you who have made purchases from my merch store or from my eBay store or have made just direct financial contributions. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I I really enjoy doing these shows anyway, but knowing that people respond and are interested and are, and are getting something out of these shows really makes it all worthwhile. So I absolutely appreciate that. So thank you very much for that. With that, I am going to close for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, please do me a favor and smack that thumbs up button. Uh, let the YouTube algorithm know that this was a good show. If you are not currently a subscriber to the channel or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing that as well. Generally speaking, I have a new episode every Wednesday. If you're a YouTube viewer, normally I do those live Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., but because of the holidays this time, I just went ahead and pre-recorded this. So you've got something that you can kind of watch on your own time. We will return next Wednesday, which I believe is the 29th at 10 a.m. Eastern for another episode. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, stay safe, enjoy the holiday season with your friends and family, and we will see you next week.